elements encompass pretty much, I mean, most spirits that you can work with beyond the dead and uh, like negative energy feeders, which is what Christians would call demons. When you are working with spirits, you do have to learn discernment because knowing the difference between something that will harm you versus something that will help you is really important. But unfortunately, it's not like there's a book you can read to kind of learn it, but you can learn the signs. And that's why that's why I say like creative people are like the most natural magicians because it, it's the magicians, it's almost like your role as a magician to create. You are a creator. For episode 30, we welcome Stephanie Colony to the Spirit Box. Stephanie is an American author of books about demolitory and magic. She has been practicing demonic magic since 1994 and has been an initiated demolatress since 1990. She is actively practicing and has over 35 years experience in Goetha and Grimoric magic as well as traditional craft. Also a Rosicrucian, she holds a Master of Metaphysics from ULC Seminary. She has been taught online classes in Kabbalah, Gematria, Magic, Demonotry, and, med and Meditation since 1999. She's one of the foremost experts on the topic of demonolatry and an author of over 25 books about demonolatry, specifically including the best-selling The Complete Book of Demonolatry. Outside of the demonic and magical side of things, uh, Stephanie is a best-selling novelist. In the conversation, we get into demonolatry as a practice of self-development, the nature of demons as divine intelligences, and her own metaphysical experiences. We talk about the creative spark and how her practice has given her the discipline to write over 80 books, which in itself is just a remarkable achievement. An interesting note from this conversation is Stephanie's views on what demons are and what they aren't. She makes a clear distinction between them and energy eaters, which is how she describes parasitic entities, which we've discussed at length on this podcast. I think it's an important distinction and one that is often missed in conventional metaphysical thinking, conventional Western metaphysical thinking, I should really add. In the Plus show, we discuss what demons get from us in exchange. Uh, what possession means from a demonolatry perspective, and more pointedly, how, how magic and real long-term change means commitment and hard work. So if you want to hear those extra bits in the Plus Show, head on over to the Patreon and support the podcast. You'll have access to the extra elements of this podcast, but also the extended versions and extra bits of content uh, going back since uh, podcast started. Um, and I hope to see you there. Stephanie, you're very welcome to the Spirit Box. Thank you very much for your time. Um, to, to help orientate uh, listeners and, and give them kind of a, an idea of um, what your practice is, how would you explain, uh, you know, how would you give it a definition to, the, to your framework, to your uh, belief system and its definitions? 
in a lot of ways, I feel that my uh, practice kind of, it, it, it is very much a type of paganism. Um, we don't rely a lot on superstition. It's, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's probably a scientific explanation for everything, but when it comes to, um, when I practice demonolatry, I'm, I'm not, I'm working with spirits, but they're, they're actually, uh, parts of nature. They're not, they're not as, uh, they don't have human thoughts or feelings or motivations. They simply are, they exist. They do what they do naturally. Um, so it, it, it's, it is, it's more like working with different parts of nature in order to uh, better yourself and understand the framework of the universe and your part in it and how you fit into that. There's a couple of bits that um, I found really interesting what you said there, particularly in terms of what the nature of spirits um, is or, or are, um, in terms of they don't have uh, human thoughts. Um, and I kind of would presume that, you know, they, they don't have human understanding of, of time or our kind of understanding of, of morality. Um, in, in that regard at all. And considering that you, you work specifically with, um, or are known for working with, with, with demons, how does that term play out? What does it mean in terms of what, what does a demon mean to you? And kind of what are those, are, are there traits to the spirits that you engage with that you recognize as being uh, infernal as it were? So, so here's the thing that, that really confuses a lot of people. And it actually upsets people. It upsets people within my own practice that the word demon uh, literally comes from the Greek daemon and the Latin daemon, which means uh, divine intelligence or replete with wisdom, respectively. So basically, um, like the ancient Greeks, they all had their personal demons. They were divine intelligences that helped them through difficult times. So when I'm looking at demons, I, there are different types of demons. Um, so for example, you have say goetic uh, spirits. Those are demons closer. There are different uh, spheres of existence. You'll find this in Hermeticism that they explain this where there's different, uh, I don't know, like layers of the universe and those closest to the earth sphere are usually like goetic spirits and then as you go up you you get to angels you get to planetary spirits um you get to uh god forms you know like all of your all of your different god names um and so and those where they are uh in that sphere it depend it uh their vibration they they have different vibrations so like we're physical beings we're on this planet we have a certain vibration when you get to go at spirits they have a vibration a little closer to us so sometimes they're a little easier for humans to work with which is why so many people seem attracted to go at spirits even though some of those go at spirits we have documentation that they were also uh, worshipped as god forms in ancient cultures so you have these different 
um, these different spirits that vibrate differently. And you'll hear a lot, like when people work with angels, they'll feel like their insides are vibrating. And that's because angels, the angelic spirits or Enochian spirits even vibrate at such a higher level that it actually can trigger the flight or fight response in the human brain. Um, and, and I guess there are, but it also depends on, on that person's personal makeup too, because we're, we each vibrate differently. We're very unique in our own vibration as individuals. So how we work with each spirit is going to, uh, is actually going to determine our vibration with that spirit and whether we harmonize with it or whether we don't and whether we have a good experience with it or whether we don't whether we have that fight or flight response or whether we don't so for me demons encompass pretty much i mean most spirits that you can work with beyond the dead and uh like negative energy feeders which is what christians would call demons but for them, the reason Christians started using the word demon instead of devil is because when they, you know, when the Greeks were conquered and all these other cultures were conquered, the cultures that used demons for their personal like muses and inspiration or whatever, <clears throat> one of the things they did was they rewrote history and they, and they basically devilized all of these people's gods, goddesses, and their personal demons. And so that's how the word demon became synonymous with the devil. It wasn't always like that. So um, once you start like digging into, into like ancient cultures and history and all of that, you start realizing that, uh, that first of all, humans had, had different names for the same type of energy force. Right. And it, it really just comes back to like what you, what you resonate, what, what names, what, what, uh, spiritual names you you resonate with as an individual because spiritual spirituality and even magical practice is all very individualized there is no one size fits all for everyone because it, because you're not the same as the the magician standing next to you um you you resonate at a different level you have different uh a different construction like elementally speaking um and there are and you have different likes and dislikes. And in that sense, every magician has to like build a ritual around them. Um, and when, when, you know, when magicians say as above, so below, that's what they mean. They mean like, you know, you have spirits that have certain uh, likes and dislikes and properties, you know, like mm -hmm. in a lot of grimoires, you'll see that they have like different scents and colors and metals and all of these things. But you have all of that too, because you technically are also part of that divine intelligence. You were born from it. You were born from the universe. Um, or as Carl Sagan said, you are, you are made of star stuff or it's the same thing, you know? So, um, so we're all part of that. We're just smaller parts. So we're all like parts of this, this whole. And, and you have to take that into account, which part are you? And so, that's one of the things that demonolators have to really think about a lot is like, what, what part of, of the universe am I? What am I bringing into this universe? What am I doing with this physical life that I've been given? I'm sorry, that was probably, <laughs> that probably went way out, outside. It. No, it was, I was just, um, 
really vibing off that. That was a, a, an absolutely wonderful description. Um, I, I got an awful lot from that, and and uh, just that that bit, that kind of alchemical angle you have in there, uh, you know, it, it, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think, it, you know, it, it it also starts to help understand why people are attracted to certain spirits, certain god forms, certain planets. Um, if you look at it from that sense of, you know, what, what is vibrating within you in terms of your makeup and what is, you know, what are the corresponding um, elements that make up those uh, spirits you want to interact with or are drawn to, you know, um, it's, it's a, it's a really nice way of, of seeing the world. And I think your, um, your view of history is, is correct. You know, it certainly is the same with uh, um, the Celtic countries, you know, when they were um, Christianized. It's the same thing. The, yeah. the gods were 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 turned on their head and and uh, inverted. You know, um, oh, you certainly still was Saronos and, and the Horn God and that kind of thing. Um, that that's that makes an awful lot of sense. And I, I also kind of um, the differentiation you you also made around um, kind of negative energy feeders versus demons. I think is really really important. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, I think the first thing people think of is negative energy feeders. Um, and again, kind of, you know, the impact those kind of beings have on, on people. I've, I've done a couple of shows exploring those themes and, and it, it's, to me, it's, it, it's, a, it's a type of spiritual of energy or, or non-physical entity. Actually, I got there in the end with the definition of a non-physical entity that people need to kind of be aware of, particularly if you're entering kind of any kind of spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. What would you, um, you know, what would you say are the traits of those particular entities? And, you know, have you had any experience with them and getting rid of them? And, and you know, how, how would one recognize the signs if you're, you're being... Um, you know, attacked by one of them or drained. Um, so, so interestingly, I mean, I think I think negative ne- negative energy feeders. First of all, they're very attracted to um, to a lot of psychic discord. So, when you have, for example, um, especially people probably between the ages of thirteen to twenty five, there's a lot of hormonal imbalance and a lot of psychic discord. So, it, you know, there's a lot of drama <laughs> in, in people those ages. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I had my share of drama at the, those ages. Um, and the negative energy feeders are attracted to that. Sure. So a lot of times when we talk about like um, possession and stuff like that, I think, um, well, we, we'll go into possession here in a bit, but uh, when we're talking about that kind of stuff, the, uh, a lot of times that can be negative energy feeders, mm-hmm. but some of the symptoms of negative energy feeders, and and this is one of the things I, I definitely try to teach people through my books and when I have students, it's one of the things that I teach them is when you're working with, uh, when you are working with spirits, you do have to learn discernment because knowing the difference between something that will harm you versus something that will help you it, is really important but unfortunately it's not like there's a book you can read to kind of learn it but you can learn the signs and the signs include um feeling drained all the time uh having just 
sometimes just the worst luck, even if you're making good decisions. Sometimes though, we have to admit, you have to blame yourself for your bad decisions. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that, you know, I try to also teach magicians is mm -hmm. you have to take a little self-responsibility for stuff sometimes too. You can't just blame yeah. it all on the spiritual world. Um, but real negative energy feeders can cause, um, and we have to be careful with this too, because we're also talking, you know, we now know about, you know, different psychological problems and mm -hmm. chemical imbalances in the brain. And these things can attract negative energy feeders, but at the same time, sometimes you can, you can have that problem without, without having any mental disorder too. So it's really, I mean, there are fine lines here that you have to be really careful mm -hmm. of because you don't want to, you know, um, and again, we'll talk about this in possession, but you mm -hmm. don't want to uh, pander to a mentally ill person's delusions. But mm -hmm. at the same time, if they are being fed off of by negative energy, then you really need to um, watch that. So one of the things that uh, negative energy feeders will do is they'll be really helpful in the beginning and then all of a sudden they'll turn on you and they'll start causing problems. Um, Another thing that they do is they may tell you to harm yourself or others. Um, mm -hmm. Real genuine demons do not do that. Um, other types of spirits don't do that. They, they're not like, oh yeah, cut yourself. Whereas negative energy feeders will do that because they're, they're feeding off of that mental state. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. They, they feed off of psychic energy. In a way, they're like, they're like, I don't know, like an astral psychic vampire. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so, um, and they'll never tell you to do anything illegal or harmful. Um, they won't tell you to like destroy your life. Um, and this is where a lot of people like confuse like, like demons versus uh, like what traditionally they think of as demons versus negative energy feeders. Because say they're working um, with Belial and they're working with Belial for money for example, and then all of a sudden they lose their job, um, they're start, uh, the eviction part process gets started and all this stuff. Well, first of all, chances are they made some really bad choices. <laughs> That's the first thing is you gotta look at yourself and say, okay, I, you know, I screwed up, I made some bad yeah. choices. But second of all, sometimes when, when you're actually working with the demons, they tend to, um, they tend to be naturally spirits that give lessons is what I like to say. They're like teacher spirits. They're like, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. You're going to lose everything, but then you're going to, you know, pull your head out and start building, building better decisions for yourself for a better financial future. Mm -hmm. So you have that aspect of it where, where, yeah, something bad may happen, but something good's going to come from something bad. Sure. You know? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, but it, it's for your own good. So mm -hmm. demons tend to do things for your own good. Mm -hmm. Whereas as a negative energy feeder is going to basically destroy your life for no reason. There's not going to be anything that you're going to lear learn from it or that's going to come from it other than despair, destruction, because that's what they feed off of. Mm -hmm. They feed off of those emotions that, that people have, that anxiety, that, that stress, that mm -hmm. despair, they feed off of that. So, um, so that's where, where we have to teach people. And that's why a lot of magical traditions teach banishing mm 
And you'll notice though that demonal tree, we have banishing rituals, but we don't constantly pound it into people's heads because we tend to, when we do a working, especially with beginners, this may not, this isn't so true for the people who have been doing this for years and years, but because we know, we kind of know what we're doing at that point. But in the beginning, we beat into their head that they have to work within an, an elementally constructed demonic circle. And it's not only for the balance of the magician, but it tends, and it's not really for protection, so to speak, but it does tend to keep all the negative things out, just kind of like uh, as a consequence, right. as a side effect. So it kind of keeps them safe. However, for people who are extremely emotionally volatile, we will teach them banishing. And even for more experienced practitioners, we do banish negative energy once or twice a year, whether we need it or not, because you don't know. I mean, if you live in a space that is, is constantly doused in demonic presence, it tends to keep that stuff away. But it doesn't mean there can't be cracks somewhere in your foundation where something can get through. Right. So it's always good just to do like a house cleaning mm -hmm. every now and again. So that's why other traditions just constantly say banish before, banish after, banish before, banish after, because they don't have that same thing. It's like right, when okay. they draw their spirits into, they, they don't, maybe they don't realize that, you know, sometimes, you know, as long as that, that God form or whatever spirit they've actually drawn into the space will actually keep that stuff out. Mm -hmm. But after that kind of dissipates, then you have an open space. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> whereas demonolators, we tend to ward throughout the entire house and we build those wards to where they're kind of a permanent structure okay and we you know when you do your regular rituals and everything you draw all that that demonic energy in and it just tends to keep that stuff out but if someone has mental issues we do encourage banishment more regularly mm -hmm. and the before or after ritual and all of that just because i think it helps them in some ways, and and we also discourage practicing magic if you have an unmanaged um, mental condition. But if it's managed, I mean, they can go ahead and and do what they need to do. But it can be actually very dangerous working magic if you're unmanaged. That makes a huge amount of sense. Yeah, and it's just it's also kind of just totally sensible. Um, I, a former guest from a couple of weeks ago was a, a guy called Jerry Marzinski and he's a, a, a former psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And he went through, um, uh, he went through kind of his career experience, which got him from a position of, of thinking um, uh, schizophrenia was an internal issue to being potentially external um, and kind of ultimately got to a point where he was interfacing via some of his patients with the um i mean parasitical entities really um through um through through his patients the symptoms were exactly as as kind of you describe the the willingness to self-harm destroying relationships isolation the voices to constantly telling them to do things that were detrimental criminal acts drug use uh detrimental drug use um rather than um, kind of sacramental drug use and um, and and ultimately leaving them to despair and destruction and destroying them you know uh, so it's but at the same time you know the language he would have used would have been demonic you know so it, it it's it definitely is that the label it, it, 
it, there's a little bit of, I guess, Christian or, or Abrahamic propaganda in there as well. That's kind of taken root and kind of owns that that word to a degree. It, 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 I think it needs some yeah. some um, some rebranding, so to speak. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's really interesting to hear about kind of how you guys or within within your um, within your practice using kind of warding and, and banishing where it's where it's needed um and again the, the responsibility to mental health you know mm-hmm. um i i think that's it, it, it's so important you know there there is personal agency in personal decisions and life choices they cannot all be attributed to an external force you know i don't i don't believe that having made some terrible decisions that were entirely my own <laughs> of my own <laughs> making i'm very, very aware of that um but it was in you know to what you said and kind of seeing that being echoed in other cultures and some of the kind of um documentary work that i've done in the past has taken me to um as, as my listeners will well know as they've heard me dozens of times talk about this but um tracking down areas in Delhi associated with the gin and talking to kind of um, hereditary um, Islamic Sufi exorcists and how they treated people who were presented to them with gin possession or evil evil spirit possession. The same thing happens. They make an assessment on whether or not this is an external or an internal issue, you know, and, and and if if they believe it to be an internal an internal one, the recommendation is go to a mental health practitioner. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this isn't a spiritual issue, um, and I think it's just a really important distinction, you know, because um, it makes it kind of makes this space a really easy target for kind of um, for for cynics. I think um, so. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a good thing. Now, speaking of kind of Christians and or I guess the broader Abrahamic view of things. I'm sure you would have received um, potentially some hysterical criticism for uh, or or, or uh, rebukes for how you would 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 position your practice. Yeah, you know, how how do you respond to that criticism? Um. Well, you know, I I generally honestly because I don't know if demonolatry is too big of a word or whatnot, but I don't get as much flack from Christians as say people who call themselves Satanists. Um, and I'm probably more like what they think of Satanist is than a lot of Satanists since a lot of Satanists are atheistic. So, uh, so it, it's kind of funny there because I do not, now don't get me wrong. I was raised in this very Judeo Christian society, just like everyone else. And my parents were kind of what I call Jack Christians. Um, so it's like, they were like, yeah, okay, God, yada, yada, yada good for him. And they didn't really bring it into the house. We weren't like churchgoers or anything like that, except for um, when my grandmother decided that uh, I would go to like the Catholic church with her a couple times, like when I'd stay with her on the weekends or whatever. But for me, that was like story time. I never really took it um, any further than that. And then she had my evangelical aunt take us to vacation Bible school a couple of times until we begged her not to um, the third year. Cause we were like, no, that's just not fun because they were kind of crazy. And even back then yeah. as like, you know, an eight or nine year old girl, I knew that that was, you know, that was a bit out there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was easy because of that, I think, because I didn't have religion so crammed down my throat growing up because um, our parents, you know, let us make our own choices there. <clears throat> I think what ended up happening was it was easier for me to shed that Christian way of thinking. Um, and what actually did that for me of all, all darn things was Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible. Because I was a, I was a, a rebellious um, uh, Christian Satanist before I found demonolatry and became a demonolator. Because right. I, I started this practice when I was very young. I was probably about 12. Wow. And um, so it, it was just kind of one of those things. It was very easy. And for some reason, just when I read that book, it's like it all just kind of like disintegrated. Like all of that, that weird cultural stuff, it just disintegrated. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I feel free from this nonsense now. Mm -hmm. This is, this is mm -hmm. crazy. <clears throat> and what ended up happening was um, I just kind of dropped the Christian worldview. And so now when Christians sit there and argue with me about, you know, their personal paradigm, right. I'm just kind of like, Okay. And it doesn't bother me like mm -hmm. Christians and all that. They don't bother me as long as, yeah. you know, they keep their stuff to themselves and don't try to dictate my life based on their personal ethics and beliefs. Um, which of course they try to do through legislation over here yeah. in the States. Uh, <clears throat> we just, you know, I just, I, I don't, it's kind of like you almost have to believe their worldview in order to take them seriously. And I just don't. I'm just kind of like, you know, I mean, there were, and I always tell them, you know, there were other religions before Christianity came about. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you go back to ancient Egypt and ancient Babylon and Samaria, and you can see where the Christian Christianity pulled some of that stuff in just to kind of get, pull the people in line. Yeah, Same thing with holidays and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so their religion isn't a hundred percent unique either. It's just kind of a compilation mishmash of a bunch of other religions to pull people into the fold because yeah. they were the victors. And, and it just all, it just all falls apart. And the way, the way I view it, it's just kind of like, I mean, they can argue with me about their, you know, about this, that, or the other. And I just, I don't know that I necessarily have a response except for, thanks for sharing you know <laughs> oh great great you know oh, i love I, it i love it i'm stealing that that's brilliant um <laughs> yeah I, I i do i i get where you're coming from you know and and like i, I grew up in in, in you know in, in ireland we, you know, in the 90s which was you know <laughs> very very catholic you know um I, and the thing that always struck me was you know for you know a fate that was always kind of like slapping itself on the back about being kind of monotheistic i mean they sure do worship a hell of a lot of saints. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's like, does anybody else spot the contradiction here? You know, it, it's like, if there is an all-powerful, encompassing God, why are you praying to a particular saint to help you find your car keys? You mm -hmm. know, like, it's, it's just, it's full of those contradictions. It's just remarkable. And then uh, all those angels and the hierarchy. Yeah. And, and the ritual. I love, I actually love Catholic ritual. I love watching it. It's very yeah. pagan. It's very mm -hmm. pagan. Mm. Yeah, must be so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, oh, so one thing that really struck me, kind of um, look, looking into your background, was, was the sheer volume of of, uh, of written work that you've created. It, it, it's absolutely remarkable. 
Uh, I mean, how many books have you written now? Um, well, in, in nonfiction, probably close to about 50. Wow. And in fiction, probably close to around 30. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm one of those people, I, I've always been a writer. I was a yeah. writer before, before I was a very serious occultist. Mm -hmm. And somehow those two things just kind of convalesced down into, yeah. I was actually asked by um, my coven at the time, if I would write some, some, uh, pre-initiate material yeah. and introduce people into, into the coven and stuff like that. And that's kind of how I started, get started writing for it. And the reason they asked me is because I was actually going to college at the time for, um, creative writing. That yeah. was my major. But and remarkable output. So it, it just kind of, uh, it just kind of ended up being one interest and another interest kind of melded and here we are today but i'm also one of those people if i don't write it down and get it out of my brain it will just bug me so yeah i kind of know what you mean on that one but i i still i mean I, I'm, <laughs> I'm relating to it with my two books you know to compared to your 80 i don't know so uh yeah no i i don't relate to it i i i understand the concept i clearly don't play out the <laughs> in reality <laughs> Um, well, you know, I, I, I write in all my spare time and everything. So it's like, you know, I mean, we're talking about 2000 words a day. I mean, you add that up 365 days a year. That's a yeah, lot of words. That's impressive. That's really impressive. And I, I'm kind of, the reason I ask you about that is, I mean, you, you covered it there a little bit in terms of, you know, your coffin and, and kind of how it had a practical kind of, um, um, evolution there. But in, but in terms of your, your, your actual kind of esoteric practice, Mm -hmm. Has your your um, actual practice given you, say, discipline and drive to be able to, to write like that, to have the discipline to sit down and do 2,000 words a day? And, and for anybody out there who doesn't kind of rate that or doesn't understand it, sit down and try and write 2,000, 2000 words. See how you get on, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and get back to us. Um, I mean, has that, because, you know, with, within your, your practice, there's, 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 a lot of, there's a lot of discipline. There's a lot of kind of... Um, you know, you do a huge amount of sigil work. I've I've seen, um, but overall, kind of working with demons in the way you do, there, there's a structure to it. There's 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 a language to it. Um, yes. You know, it, it's 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 got a lot of kind of learning in that practice. You have to learn this stuff before you can engage properly. Um, so you think your kind of natural tendency to write and to 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 have that kind of academic. Um, capability and curiosity has, has, has helped you? I think so. And I also, I, and I do think that um, it was actually the demonic that led me to write so much. So I do think, yeah, I do think there is a link there. Uh, very, very much so. One of the things, um, an experience I had when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, uh, I found out that I was infertile and for some, you know how I, for culturally for women, you're kind of like conditioned from a very young age that you're going to be a mother and a grandmother and all of these things. And when you find out that that is not the case, you actually stop for a moment. And I don't know, this may not be true for every woman, but it was true for me. You stop for a moment and you, and you think to yourself, what is my purpose? Right. As if, as if your only purpose in life is to have children, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. I did, I actually stopped and thought to myself, 
well, what is my purpose? What am I going to do with the rest of my life at this point? You know? Okay. Um, and because, you know, my husband and I were just like, yeah, no, we're not, we're not going to go through like, you know, $50,000 worth of like fertility treatments and sure. all of this, especially after the ones that we had that were covered by insurance didn't even work. So we were just right. like, yeah, we're not going to do this. And adoption is no cheaper, um, by the by. Okay. So we were just kind of like, okay. And at that point, I actually like went into my temple and I was like, okay, I'm going to just, you know, throw this at the, at the demonic and see what they see, what they give me back. And so I'm sitting there and I know this is going to sound like really ridiculous. I'm sitting there um, I, on the temple floor, cross-legged, just kind of like meditating, you know, um, and asking this question, like, what am I going to do with my life? And at, at this time, I, at this point, I already was a writer, but I was more like a hobby writer. Right. You know, I was like, I'd, I'd write things, you know, I've I'd written a few things for my coven and I'd written some articles uh, professionally, uh, some nonfiction. And I was kind of penning my novel, but I was hemming and hawing how, how most people do with their first novel. Mm -hmm. I was still hemming and hawing over it after about 10 years. <laughs> and, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Um, yeah. But I'm sitting there and, and a pen, like a regular, like, you know, just ballpoint pen starts rolling uh, on, on my altar and then it rolls off to the side and drops right next to me. Right. Kind of like, okay, you're supposed to write, you idiot. <laughs> and at that point I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I really do have a purpose. And it just clicked, you know, sometimes something happens and it just clicks. Right. And that, that was it for me. That was that clicking moment for me. Um, but since then, you know, I mean, I've, I've worked with them about, you know, okay, like, help this release go really well. Um, <laughs> and I did that with one book and it ended up selling uh, over a hundred thousand copies. And I was no, like, wow. but that was, and that was fiction. Cause you know, I always yeah. wanted to be like, you know, yeah. great fiction writer. So, I mean, the nonfiction is really a labor of love. Whereas, and I guess it all is, I mean, all of the writing's a labor of love, but mm -hmm. you know, I've always really wanted to be known for the fiction, sure. not necessarily the nonfiction. And it kind of like, inverted itself but i'm not complaining i'm not complaining <laughs> um i think i've helped a lot of people with the nonfiction, so that makes it worth it you know Brilliant. so you mentioned the kind of the, the 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 pen there kind of falling down and kind of giving you i guess like a, a physical message mm -hmm. kind of building on that you know have you had um have you had things manifest for you um as far as like, uh, are you talking like actual spirits manifest? Yes, that's what, that's what I mean, yeah. Okay, so this kind of goes into the story of why I got into the occult to begin with. Um, as a small child, I would wake up at night and there would be figures standing in my room. And sometimes they'd sit down at the edge of the bed and they'd tell me um, stories. They'd, they'd say stuff like, you know, um, you can you can do great things and you know, um, they would just, as a matter of fact, I don't honestly remember the kind of stuff they told me, but it was all like positive messages. One of them stood by my bedside one night and said, I'll guard over you. And I was just kind of like, what the heck, you know? Um, and I would always pinch my arm to see if I was awake. And I always had what, you know, people consider invisible friends. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I learned that not everybody 
could see these spirits and they were they were mostly just shadows because they always seemed like cloaked in darkness you know just dark figures so they weren't like actual physical people they didn't have like distinct features right and i didn't know what they were but i'd always been able to see spirits and then when i was eight I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard this tapping outside my window and we had this well, the cement well that was outside the window. And I saw this kind of white semi-opaque blob just kind of bouncing up and down. And every time it would hit down, it would tap. And it just kept doing that. And I was like, that's weird. So I went and got a glass of water. I came back and it was still there. And I wasn't afraid. I was just kind of like, I was very curious. And so I told my mom about it the next morning. She's like, oh, that's nonsense. But then I went out to the well and there was a dead blackbird there. And I actually believe I saw its spirit like leaving the body is what it was. And so by the time I was 12, I'd had enough of these experiences, seeing these, these spirits that were kind of, I don't know, they didn't really have shapes. They were just these semi-opaque, either dark things or light things or whatever. And I'd always seen them. I'd always been able to hear them. And I just thought that was the strangest thing. And so I decided one day to go to the library and start looking into um, being able to see spirits. And of course, that of course led to uh, divination and numerology and witchcraft and, and demonology and all of these things. And that's where it all started. So I actually had good reason to figure out why I could do something that it seemed other people could not. Of course, I later learned that um, after probably in my late 20s, I finally uh, discussed it with my mom and my sister was there and they both admitted to they had experiences like that too. And then my mother told, it, told me about some experiences my grandmother and great grandmother had had. And I was like, and none of you could have told me this. And my mom always just thought I was crazy. Or she'd be like, oh, yeah, you're imagining again. Because, you know, I was a, a big reader as a child. Mm -hmm. I always had my nose in a book. Mm -hmm. So she probably thought I was just making stuff up because I had a great imagination. But she's like, oh, I, I never imagined that maybe you were actually seeing and, and speaking with spirits, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of like, well, geez, thanks, mom, you know. <laughs> but that's, that's what kind of led me there to begin with. Mm. So. Um, oh, I, I completely went off on a tangent and, and lost the original question. Well, it was around kind of, have you had any kind of, um, oh, physical manifestations. Yeah. So, yeah. So like when working with demons, I've actually, um, gotten knocks on the walls mm -hmm. when I'm living in a house with nobody, nobody around it. It's not like I'm in an apartment or anything. Um, taps on the shoulder. Um, I have seen dark figures out of the corner of my eye. Um, and I do believe that those spirits that were around, around me as a child, um, were actually demonic in nature. And I almost feel like I was kind of, um, I don't know, gently set in the right direction. <laughs> That's more, more like it as opposed to like, it wasn't forcible. It wasn't just an interest. Like I heard somebody say, oh, I practice witchcraft. And I was like, oh, I want to know about that, you know, or because my best friend was doing it. It was something that just naturally evolved. Um, but my, but I have, I did have an experience after my initiation, uh, my dedication ritual into monolatry where I was the only 
person home alone. I was sleeping. I felt a hand go from my shoulder down my arm. And I looked up and I saw a large dark figure. I immediately thought someone had broken into the house and I was flipping out. I have never jumped out of the bed so fast and ran down the hall, um, grabbed the phone, called the police, um, went upstairs, got out of the house. And I could still see uh, the light down there. And I thought someone was in there. Um, the police came and checked everything out and nothing, there was nobody there. Everything right. was locked. There was no one there. Um, except for my uh, light in my closet had been turned on and things had been rummaged through. And it was just the weirdest thing. I don't know. I, and, you know, I mean, I could say, you know, maybe I had a nightmare or something, but if it was a nightmare, it was pretty damn real. Right. And I don't know why my light would have been turned on. It's not like I have like a history of sleepwalking or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also other experiences I've had that can be explained by perfectly normal scientific things. Like there was one point where I was falling asleep and then I, I was kind of like in that state between right where you fall asleep and you're dreaming and you're awake. You know that state, I think yeah. we all do. Yeah. And there was like a face that like appeared in front of me and it was an his older man's face. And, but I was paralyzed and couldn't move. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like where you get into that whole succubus incubus type thing where, mm -hmm. and um, I learned that that is, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the name of it right now. If you can think of it, go ahead and jump in. Uh, then the hack syndrome. Uh, it's like a it's like a sleep paralysis sleep paralysis yeah right where or, or uh, where you're basically your mind is projecting what's inside your head like the dream it's projecting it outside there's a scientific explanation for this they can recreate it in a lab right. and they say most people will experience an episode of sleep paralysis at least once in their life where something seems so real and for ancient people because they didn't know that that was a scientific thing your brain could do mm -hmm. um of course, they're going to attribute that to some sort of like, you know, a, well, not nowadays, it's more like alien abduction, but um, frontal lobe seizures, that's what it is. Okay. It's like you have a frontal lobe seizure and what happens is like you project that dream that you're having into the real world. And so you think your eyes actually think in your brain thinks that that's what it's seeing. Mm -hmm. Um but you can't move and you feel, of course, because you can't move, of course you have that fear that creeps in and you may have different sensations throughout your body. Um, I, I didn't get the sensations, but I definitely got the, the image outside my body. Mm -hmm. But once I read an article about the frontal lobe seizures, I was like, oh, that was my experience to a T. So, um, so I had to completely discount that experience. At that point, when there's a scientific explanation, I no longer count it as a spiritual experience. I'm like, okay, that was sleep paralysis. And, you know, and perhaps it's, it's a good thing that I've experienced that at least once in my life. So, um, so I, I do constantly question my experiences and what could have possibly been. I mean, did, was there actually like a spirit in my house while I was, you know, that chased me out of it when, by by actually touching me where I can and I could actually see it or was it I was just waking up from a bad dream I may never know but at the same time it didn't feel 
it didn't necessarily feel threatening. It was just shocking to wake up to that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Especially you, if you think someone's like broken into your house. Sure. So, um, so yeah, I've had uh, experiences like that. I've had like very, very vivid dreams where I was speaking to someone who looked very human. I do believe that like spirits can like in dreams appear to you as you wish to see them or as you need to see them in order for like optimal uh, retainment of the message that they're giving you. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be your subconscious mind, but then again, you know, um, the demonic dwells within us as well as outside us too. So whether it's your internal demonic speaking to you or your external is, is anybody's guess, but I've gotten some very good solid advice about things and dreams from spirits that I'm talking to and whether or not, and it's kind of like, uh, we were talking kind of before the show about how demonolatry differs from Philema and some of the other Mm -hmm. ceremonial magics. A lot of other ceremonial magics, if they're not like, if, if the person practicing them isn't actually practicing Christian magic, um, because I believe a lot of old grimoires are just, uh, are just magic dressed up in church clothes to make them accept, make it acceptable by the wider society. Um, I do believe that, uh, the, uh, one of the big differences is, is a lot of uh, practitioners, especially ceremonial magicians, view the demonic as parts of the psyche that must be, you know, brought under control by forceful means. Mm-hmm. So basically, they kind of have to kick their own ass to get themselves to straighten up. And so when they're doing magic to like, you know, help them with a money issue or something like that, or, or help them get over a fear or something, they're basically... Uh, they're basically wrestling their own psyche into submission and hence the hence the very aggressive tone toward the demonic mm-hmm. whereas in demonolatry we take a, a more gentle approach we work with the demonic respectfully so even if it is so even if that demonic part that demonic force is part of yourself you're still working with yourself respectfully like saying okay you know i mean uh, what what do you have to what do you have to share with me and what can i learn from this and that's, that's kind of the relationship I have with the demonic. It's not like I'm your master and I will burn your sigil if you don't do what I say. It's more like, um, I really need this thing and I need your help to figure out how I'm going to do this. Okay. To figure out how I can make this manifest. So it's more so, like you're, you're, you're working to integrate those aspects yes. rather than kind of, I guess, beat them into submission. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, and, and you think that is that the primary difference between demonolatry and say the likes of Talima or other ritual um, magical practices? I think, I think uh, by and large, yes. Right. I do think there are outlier practitioners who do kind of follow more of a demonolatry path that where they're a bit more respectful with the spirits that they work with. Okay. Um, but respectful working with the demons specifically, uh, uh, especially in Goetia and all of that is becoming more and more widespread. I was actually surprised at how many people have kind of come out of the woodwork in recent years who prefer that approach because they find that they get further with it. Then, and a lot more people will have bad experiences when they try to command or, or control a demon as what? opposed to work with them in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. I guess that kind of makes sense. 
Um, what, what was I going to say actually as well is, um, I mean, you mentioned there people having kind of bad results. Um, have you, you know, have you had anything go wrong for you or, or are you aware of others who've had things go wrong for them? I often find that when people have something go wrong, and this is true, has been true for myself too, when something goes wrong, it's actually part of the process right. because not all magic will like manifest. Like it's kind of like if you're, um, if you're doing low magic and you're, you're wanting a million dollars, it's not like you're going to open your front door tomorrow and find a million dollars sitting there. Instead, what happens is the demonic will throw opportunities in your path, but mm -hmm. you still have to, first of all, be able to recognize the opportunity and two, have the courage to take the opportunity and run with it. So there's, there are a lot of different factors there, but sometimes what we need in order for something to happen is we have to have a failure and we have to have something go wrong. Um, and this, this happens a lot, especially when people are working in with like career magic, because you have to do a lot of internal work for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you really want to, especially if you're like in entertainment or any type of career where you're working to make something that you're doing known, whether it be content that you've created or whether you're an actor or something like that. And that's why, that's why I say like creative people are like the most natural magicians because it, it's the magicians. Uh, it's almost like your role as a magician to create, you are a creator. And people, people in general are very creative, but magicians are just like, they, they create whatever it is that they create. Um, so sometimes when you're, when you're working with the demonic and you have a bad result, it's because they're trying to show you, okay, but this is what you need to work on. You want this thing over here, but you have to work on yourself over here in these points and you'll, you'll come out over here. So personally, I have worked to further my writing career and get to the next level. And um, there was a year there where um, I, I had my name thrown into the hat for a writer of the year for my writers group. And I was a finalist and I was like, oh, okay, this is great. This is like, you know, this is like one of the next level steps of my, of my career. I'm going to be recognized for my work. And I complete, not only did I bomb, but I don't even know if I came close. But one of the things they pointed out was that I would have to do a public speaking. I would have to speak publicly. Right. And I was not, I, I was really terrible at public speaking. Um, it actually terrified me. <clears throat> so all of a sudden I just started getting all these opportunities from every angle for public speaking. And I was like, <laughs> holy crap. So I, bit the bullet and I went and did all of these public speaking things. And of course, you know, at first it's just really, really bad. Oh, I can, I could tell you stories. I actually froze up in front of a room full of people. It was the most embarrassing thing, but luckily I had a friend on the panel with me and she yeah. like jumped in and like took over. And I was like, Oh, thank, thank goodness. Because <laughs> I would have been in so much trouble, <clears throat> but I finally got to a point where I, I didn't freeze up and I, I was more comfortable speaking in front of a crowd of strangers. And the second time I got nominated for that same award, I actually ended up winning it. And then I was able to get up in front of a room full of, you know, like 300 some odd people mm. and give a speech. 
and I was actually more comfortable with it. So I was like, hindsight is twenty twenty in instances like this. Right. So you're right. like, oh, great. They just took my life and flipped it upside down. Or, oh, they just, you know, kicked me, kicked me in the shin. Well, there was a reason for it. If you find that you have a bad result with a demonic force, there's usually a reason for it. Um, I had a friend who had been drinking too much. He had, he had become an alcoholic. And he decided he was going to do... Uh, he was going to do an invocation while drunk. So he went into his temple. He started doing this invocation. The next thing he knew, he felt like something hit him in the chest and knocked him straight on his back. He said he had the wind knocked right out of him. He's been sober ever since. He has not touched a drop. And that, that was 10, 10 to 13 years ago. Yeah. It, it, it scared him enough. It straightened so, him out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound a lot like, you know, it's, it's also like a filter system. You know, it's like, do you actually want this? Right. You know, because you're going to have to do some work for it. You know, right. work isn't going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's really cool. You know, that's, that's kind of really awesome. You know, and I, 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 like, that, I like that idea a lot. You know, and I, I can see how you gravitate towards that. Um, the point you made about creativity really resonates with me as well. I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think there is uh, a kind of a pilot light inside people with, with creative energies, with creative bends in them that if they don't get stuff out, that, that pilot light will kind of, will burn them up. You know, they have to get that stuff out and, you know, which, which, which is why kind of looking at, at your background and seeing the amount of, of, um, Again, the amount of, of of work you've created, uh, it really it really struck me. I was like, "Wow, <laughs> that, that that pile of light must be like, yep, gotta get it done." Um, and that using your 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 practice as as a vehicle to help you facilitate getting that getting that stuff out. It's um, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it works it works for you, right? Yes, it does. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, in in terms of working with spirits and this is kind of a question that i kind of that that always kind of um buzzes around in my head a bit is it is trying to understand the motivations of spirits you work with and kind of the, the idea of spirit logic um you know from from your work and you you touched on this as well at the start of our conversation about kind of like how demons don't have the same um cognitive processes they don't have the same mind they don't have the same um cultural moral structures at all as, as we do in so in that sense they'll, they'll give you kind of a, a a rap on the knuckles if needed to put you in the right way you know put you in the right direction but what's 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 in it for them you know what what how i mean it's, it might be a question it's impossible to answer but you know what how do spirits think you know do they think, you know, just, just see what I'm getting. I'm I'm sorry. I'm a bit bit clumsy in my language, but no, I, I I get it. It's, it is, it's kind of like, um, from what, from what I gather, what they're really getting from it is it's almost like it's in their nature to, to teach and to elevate, uh, the consciousness of physical beings. Mm -hmm. 
it's kind of like just innate in their nature. Um, so in that respect, what they get from it is it's almost like a satisfaction is what I would say, a satisfaction of knowing that they've taken on a worthy student mm -hmm. who is going to learn from them and they can elevate that person's consciousness or help them become a better version of themselves. So where is the best place for people to, to find you if they want to find out more? And I know you do, you do a lot of uh, tarot work as well. Are you available for readings? I do. I do readings. Uh, it's all available on demonolatry.org. Mm -hmm. um, if you just type in D-E-M-O-N-O-L-A-T-R-Y.org, we have like an uh, informational blog there um, with monthly updated posts. We have free resources, um, including entire books mm -hmm. and uh, pamphlets and everything on to help people get started. Um, and of course, we do have uh, both spiritual and tarot consultations, and we do host a little shop there uh, that sometimes, sometimes we have books in stock. It just depends. We have like a rolling stock of different things mm -hmm. um, for practitioners. But for the most part, um, I, I don't think we've added our, our uh, we do have a Facebook group um, that's, uh, gosh, what is it called? Trad Gen Demonolatry. Yeah, well, you just look up Demonolatry and, and you should be able to find it. It should pull it right up. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of different places people can find information. And of course, links to all my books and everything are there and my personal blog and all of that. So I'll put all that in, in, in the show notes as well for, for the listeners. Um, Stephanie, it's, it's been a huge pleasure talking to you. Uh, it's been very illuminating. Um, I really appreciate your time and uh, thank you very much for coming on the Spirit Box. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that. I found it a really refreshing viewpoint and, uh, and particularly the distinction between demons and energy feeders. I think Stephanie's view really helps add to the to the knowledge base that we're building on the podcast um, about, about what entities are and, and, and what they want from us and what they can take from us depending on their nature. You know, I, th I thought Stephanie's point about discernment is hugely important. Um, be sure to check out Stephanie's prolific work at demolitary.org, um, the link to which you'll find in the show notes. And then um, we'll, we'll wrap up there. That's it for now. Talk soon.